This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. There is a, there is a common assumption. I say common because I think we all make the same assumption. I, I know I make it, and I, I believe you probably have made it or, or, or make it. Even if you're not a church person, you make the same assumptions about church. Um, and some of you are here right now because you're making the assumption right now. You came in this morning with this assumption as a truth in your mind. But I'm telling you it's not true. This assumption is, is incorrect. No matter who you are and what background you come from, um, this assumption is not true. Here's, here's the assumption. The assumption is I have to go to church to search for Jesus. And the reason it's not true is, is, well, it's not exactly what you're thinking. Because I, I know what many of you are thinking. If I could read your thoughts, some of you are like, oh, I, I, I don't have to go to church to search for Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus is everywhere, right? Jesus is everywhere I go. Jesus is everywhere. And, and so I, I find Jesus best like in the mountains. Or I find Jesus best at the beach. Or I find Jesus best with my family. If I find Jesus best when I'm in my life group. I find Jesus best on the back nine. I, I get it. I, I find Jesus in all those places too. I agree with exactly what you're thinking, but it's not the reason that I think that statement or that assumption is incorrect because it actually has nothing to do with geography of location. Instead, I believe that statement is incorrect because you don't have to search for Jesus. Jesus is already searching for you. And here's where this gets really, really important. Every one of us, no matter who you are, every one of us woke up this morning with a belief system about God. You were handed at some point in your life a belief system about God. Like, well, I don't believe in God. Well, that's your belief about God. Like, we all have a belief about God. And somewhere in your past, somewhere in your backstory, either, either your pastor, your priest, your shaman, your, your rabbi, your, your parents, um, your aunt, your friend, someone, uh, your Sunday school teacher, someone said, hey, here's what you should believe about God. And you believe that about God. Okay, that's not wrong. That's a good thing for most of that. But you have a belief about God. It's problematic, however, when you have an experience like my experience was. And many, many people may be here or online this morning. You have this same experience. Like I grew up where my parents um, taught me about God. And maybe you did the same. Um, Your parents took you to church because their parents parents took them to church because their parents took them to church. And so you've grown up going to church. And and you you grew up maybe even going to Sunday school and you learned about Jesus because it was flannel board Jesus right back in the day. Flannel board Jesus. Later became PowerPoint Jesus. But back then it was just flannel board Jesus. And you learned your belief system like in third grade, flannel board Jesus. But then something happened. You grew up. And your life got a little bit more complicated. And, and that faith when you were a kid was great when you had third grade questions about Jesus. But when you grew up, your questions got bigger and deeper and, well, more complicated. Like, why did my, my wife cheat on me? Why couldn't I carry my baby to full term? Why that tornado kill all those people? And all of a sudden, third grade flannel board Jesus didn't have those answers for you. And the danger you're in then is saying, well, if I go to church to search for Jesus, but he's he's not enough for my life, then maybe I'm leaning out more than I'm leaning in. Or maybe, maybe you didn't grow up going to church, okay? Maybe you didn't. 
But somewhere along the line in your life, you've had this, this, this sense, I need to make a life change. I need to say goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye fear, goodbye anger, goodbye lust, goodbye everything that I used to be. I want to be something new. I want to live a new way. And so, you, hey, I've, I've heard about church and I see God's people. You know, they, they're, they, people keep telling me, well, God is love. So I'm going to go to church and find a new star, you know, in God's love. And you got to church and you found anything but love. Because when you walked in, you looked different. You sounded different. You maybe lived a different lifestyle. You believed some things differently. And not only did you not feel loved, you didn't feel liked. Like they didn't even like you. And you left church that day, vowing never to go back, giving up on ever going back to church. The bigger, more problematic thing is you gave up ever knowing more about Jesus. Because if church is where you search for Jesus, and that's church, I don't want any part of that. So we all come into this with a belief system and life experience about who God is. And how we have to find Jesus. But here's the reality. You don't have to go looking for Jesus. Because Jesus already came looking for you. Is that good news for anybody else this morning? Isn't that good news? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. People, people do find Jesus in church. I think it's great. I think it's good that we're here. Like, don't, oh, I guess I can go home now. I get early start on lunch. Beat the Baptist to Denny's, right? Whatever. So you, you, why do they Denny's? Wow, that's just, not to offend you if you're a Denny's fan. That's okay. You're not going to Chick-fil-A. I know that much because it's Sunday. But... Some of you are like, dang, I forgot I was going there after church. But here's the reality. You can find, you can find Jesus in church. But guess what? He's the, he's the one that's already looking for you. And he knew you were going to be here. He's going to meet you here. And we hope every time you walk in, you are loved on here at Grace Collective. We hope that you walk in, we, you find, hey, they really do like me. They don't even know me yet, but they act like they like me. We'd love to, let, to learn more about you, get to know you more and, and connect with you so we can even love you even better. But the point is, you don't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus came looking for you. And when you understand this, when you get this, it can make every difference between you leaning in and leaning out, between growing your faith and giving up your faith. Jesus is already looking for you. Now, uh, this is going to be important. We're going to talk about it this morning, so stay awake. You don't want to miss this. But now, after that huge, long introduction, let me just say welcome. We are glad you're here today. We are super excited that you are here today, either live with us in person or online. We are glad you've chosen to, to come in here. And this is like, we're, we're in this, this six-month message series. Just to get everybody, if you've been tracking with us, we're in a six-month message series where we're learning about Jesus. We're just doing a deep dive into who Jesus is. And this is a great time. If you're new with us, you're new to the faith, uh, this is a great time for you because it's like Jesus telling you, hey, just come check me out. Come kick my tires. Take me for a test drive. Just come and Come and hang out with me for a little bit. And if, if you're already a follower of Jesus, great time to renew your faith or get back to the basics. Or better yet, bring some people with you who don't know Jesus because this is a great time for them to be here. So that's what we're talking about throughout this, this six months. Uh, but, but for today, uh, we're talking about like what, what is Jesus like and, and who does Jesus like? And to answer that, we're going to look at how Jesus came because the way Jesus came just speaks volumes about who he is and what he's like and who he likes. And so to kick that off, let's go back to when Jesus came. And we talked about this, you know, all last month that when the time was exactly right, God became a man. 
and came into the in, in life on this earth. We say God in a bod, right? God in a bod, right? So God became a man who walked with us, lived with us um, for like 33 years. He came and his name was Jesus. And the way he came, is it just reveals something remarkable about him, about him remarkable about him. He did not come as a king. He didn't come as a war hero. He came as a baby, completely helpless, completely dependent on a, on a teenage mom and her fiancé husband, or fiancé, uh, his, his earthly dad. And so that's how Jesus came, the God of the universe. So helpless, like unless you count crying and poopy diapers as a defense mechanism, which for some of us, that's all we have to have. But that's how he came. And it speaks volumes. He, he could have at least been born in a palace, right? Grown up with influence and money and power and a platform, the things we think you need to make a change in the world. But he didn't. He came as, as a baby. Like, why wasn't, he, why wasn't he born to a world leader, like son of Caesar or son of Pharaoh? That would have been great. He would have had so much influence over so many people's lives. Think about how much good he could have done. Even being born to a wealthy landowner or business owner. But instead he's born to, to, to poor Joseph, a blue collar worker. And teenage Mary. And like most young couples starting out, they didn't have any money. How many of y'all remember we starting out without money? You know, sure, Joseph could have probably built the furniture because that's what he was. He was a craftsman. For the, could have built their furniture. How many, how many of you remember your first table? Like, right before you got married or when you got married. My first table, literally, cinder blocks and boards. And I was fine. Thank goodness I married Marcia. That's not going to be in my house, you know. So, but, you, but like most couples, they didn't start out with anything. They were poor. Jesus was born into a poor family. And before he was two years old, he was a refugee. People were after his life. We talked about some of that last week. But and think about this. There may have been days. You may have never thought about this. There may have been days when Jesus and his brothers and sisters. And if that's new for you, Scripture teaches us Jesus had biological brothers and sisters, even names some of them in Scripture. But there may have been days when Jesus and his brothers and sisters gathered around the family dinner table that dad probably made and looked at not enough food to eat. Can you imagine that? You have more food in your house than Jesus ever had in his house. Your family has more money than Jesus' family probably ever had. Unless, unless Jesus began multiplying fish and loaves before we read about it. Can you imagine that? Mary saying to Joseph, you know, I don't know why, but every time Jesus sets a table, <laughs> it seems like we have more. Hey, let's have him do it every night. But the point is, the point is that Jesus didn't show up showing off. Like, this is God, right, who came to us. God in the body. This is God. Who, and the scripture tells us, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. Hey, guess what? The hills belong to him too. And everything else has ever been created all belongs to him. But he didn't come here showing off. He came poor. He came poor. He came to us in a way that you and I can identify with this. He, with, he came within reach for us. Which means that you and I, we can never point to Jesus and say, oh, you don't understand me. Yes, he does. I mean, what about his life? What about his life means he doesn't understand your life. He, he came within reach. And you might say, well, he doesn't know what it's like to, to be me. 
Maybe he doesn't have girlfriend problems like you do. Maybe he didn't have marriage challenges like you do. Maybe he doesn't have to navigate the work people, like the people you work with, all their personalities. But come on. Can you imagine taming the fiery spirit of Peter every single day for three years? Can you imagine trying to, to direct and put up with the, the, the personalities of James and John, the two brothers whose nicknames were Sons of Thunder? I mean, you probably have some nicknames for people at work too, but Jesus dealt with people like this. Listen, sure, maybe, maybe you could say, but Jesus, you, you don't get me. My friends are mean to me. My best friend betrayed me. My family is screwed up. My coworker stabbed me in the back again this week. You, Jesus, listen, Jesus people, had people who loved him and people who hated him. Jesus had people who, who were devoted to him and followed him and other people who betrayed him. Jesus had people who were trying to kill him. So Jesus knows. He gets you and he gets me and he gets us. Again, the bottom line is Jesus did life as a normal person with normal people so that normal people can do life with Jesus. Now, let me show you what I mean by all this. We're going to join Jesus today early in his ministry when he was just kind of setting the direction for how he would introduce himself to the world. He was just kind of getting started in his public ministry. He's just starting to take the world stage. He was about 30 years old at this point and, and just coming into the public eye. Now, he didn't have any real followers yet. He had people who showed up. He had people like, oh, Jesus is going to be over at that venue. We'll go there tonight. But look, next Wednesday, he's going to be over here in Greensburg at the Palace Theater. So we'll go over there on Wednesday night. He had people who showed up. So, so Jesus, he had, um, he had people who would come and go and come and go and come and go. Jesus had groupies, but didn't have roadies. If that makes sense, right? Nobody was staying with him yet, but that was about to change. And here's how Dr. Luke records it for us. Listen to this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, a lot of you are like, I, I don't know about the lake of Gennesaret, but many of you do. It's just another name for the Sea of Galilee, same body of water. So, so the Sea of Galilee was up north. Picture it this way. Here's, here's the, the geographical boundaries of Judea, the land of the Jews, okay? And in the southern part is uh, their capital city, Jerusalem. Just over from that six miles away in the south is this little tiny town called Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Now above that, just to the north, is Samaria. That's where the Jews never wanted to go because the Samaritans lived there. But above that was more Jewish country again. And above that was a, the town of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. But even further north was the Sea of Galilee. And the whole area around it was called Galilee. See how creative we are in naming stuff, right? And, and so there's Galilee, and Galilee is where Jesus made his headquarters for the early part of his ministry. So one day, Jesus was standing up there in Galilee, up north, uh, on the shore of the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. And the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So, so this probably isn't the first time that Jesus was like teaching in public. The word's getting out. People want to hear. Listen, people who gathered around Jesus, most of them were Jews. And they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for 2,000 years. Generations of people waiting for God to fulfill his promises and his prophecies. 
And so every time a rabbi would show up, and a rabbi was just a Jewish teacher, every time a rabbi would show up and say, hey, I'm going to teach you some stuff about God, and they're like, I'm all ears because I've been waiting. My family's been telling and retelling and retelling these stories as long as we can remember. And so when Jesus showed up as a rabbi teaching, they're like, we want to hear this. But it was more than that for Jesus. Because most rabbis, when they taught, they just taught what all the other rabbis before them taught. They just repeated the same stuff. They may have had their own spin or used some of their own words, but they just kept repeating what all the rabbis before them taught. But when Jesus came, people were like, wow, this guy's different. And when they left one of Jesus' teaching, they said stuff like, this guy, he teaches with authority, which means he's not just rebooting what they've all said before or, or retelling what they said before. He's revealing what they've been trying to say. He's revealing what God first said. It's like this guy, Jesus, he has a direct connection somehow to God. And so every time Jesus spoke, more and more people came. Crowds began to gather. He got very popular. And so there he was on this day, standing by the Sea of Galilee with people crowding around him. And so he looked to see, how can I make the most of this opportunity? And here's what Jesus did. Verse two, he saw at the water's edge, Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So, so Jesus just commandeered this dude's boat. This would be like you, like picture a warm summer day and you're out there and, and you're cutting your grass and some guy that you've maybe never seen before or maybe you've seen around town once or twice walks up, gets in your Jeep Wrangler and hollers out the window, hey, can you drive me to Walmart? I got to get some things. That's what Jesus just did to Simon. Gets in his boat and says, hey, can you just take me out a little bit? Just, just a little bit from shore, not far. Just move me out a little bit. And we're not really sure why Jesus did that. We're not sure why Jesus had to get in a boat. Maybe, maybe just to put like some, some necessary space between him and the crowd. I don't know if you've ever traveled around the world, but there are places and there are people who don't value personal space like we Americans do. So when I was in Uganda doing mission work, we were staying in one place, but we were working at a church about 10 miles away. And so what we did is we hired, we rented vans and hired, hired drivers to drive these 12 passenger vans from our hotel where the place we were staying, it wasn't really much of a hotel, but where we were staying and, and to where we were working um, in a town with a church. But the word of the phrase 12 passenger van does not mean anything to the people of Uganda. Because the record in my van, the record we had, which is the record of, of our time there, was 21 people in one time in a 12-passenger van. Adults. Maybe a few little kids like, under the seat. I don't know. I couldn't find them. But 21 people in a 12-passenger van at once is crazy. But they, they, don't, they don't care about personal space or, or bodies touching, or body odor, or anything like that. Like, hey, come on, we got room. The, the, the joke is, how many people can you fit in a van in Uganda? One more, right? Just keep on coming. And, and maybe maybe that day along the shoreline, Jesus is like, hey, y'all are up in, in, all up in my face. And I cannot teach to the crowd with all of you right here, so I need to put a little distance between us, and I can't walk. In. He could have walked on top of the water, but it freaked him out, right? Hey, let me just do what you would do. Let me get in a boat. 
and back up into a little space. Maybe that's why he got in a boat. Or, or maybe Jesus knew, which I believe he did because he created the elements. Maybe he understood and knew that sound travels five times faster through water than it does through the air. And using the water, it would really reflect his voice even more powerfully. Maybe that's why he got into a boat. He could have done any of those, but I, I believe Jesus had a plan. I believe he had a plan for why he got into the boat. The boat he got into belonged to a man named Simon, right? Now, Simon would later become known as Peter. Some people say Simon Peter, right? Either one is fine. Um, and, and Simon, we don't know a whole lot about Simon, but he would later become an apostle, maybe even the alpha apostle, like the, the, the leader of the apostles in some ways. Um, and, and Simon, all, all we know about him was that he was... Um, it one time became one of Jesus' closest friends, but not this day. This day, all we know is Jesus, Simon, he was, a, he was a fisherman, a critic, actually, not even a friend of Jesus yet. He's just Simon. He lived in a little town called Capernaum on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. He was a fisherman. That was his business. Um, it was a lot of people's business. It was a hard living. It was a dangerous living. Because on the Sea of Galilee, on the, on the northwestern side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, where there were mountains, and they formed like a funnel. And wind would come ripping through that funnel of mountains and just roar across the Sea of Galilee, churning up huge waves that would sink boats and kill people. And they knew it. They, even the most experienced people got scared when the winds came. And to make matters worse, fishermen fished at night. Can you imagine being out there in the dark with the wind and the waves whipping like, like that? And so they, they fish at night, then they come in in the morning and they would take other nets and they would wash their nets and mend their nets and lay them out to dry to be ready for the next night. I can see all the fishermen, you know, coming in, pulling their boats on shore in the morning. All the kids are running out of their homes, out of their huts and say, dad, dad, show me what you caught. That's how fishermen fished. So Simon, he was just doing his normal thing. He's, he's cleaning his nets, his boat sitting there, getting ready to go home, probably going to go home, kiss his wife, get some breakfast, and go to bed and take a nap for the rest of the day. When all of a sudden, this rabbi got into his boat and had the audacity to say, hey, take it back out. For whatever reason, Simon did it, which meant, listen, which meant Simon had a front row seat, a captive audience for the teaching of Jesus. And I believe it's exactly what Jesus wanted. And here's what happened. Verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, let's get you home. You've worked hard all night and you need some rest. Maybe we can meet up tomorrow for some matcha lattes. Is that, you're following along in Scripture. Is that what your Bible reads? But you don't think they had lattes back then? You, you know... You know, coffee's in the Bible, right? The men made it. He brews. <laughs> really? It's terrible. You got all these groans. Like Hebrews. Yeah. Okay, that's not what the Bible reads. So let's read what the Bible does read. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Okay, Jesus, okay. Putting into the shallow water so you can teach. I can, I will do that. Like, but putting out into deep water, come on. Come on. Simon is not down with that. So he said, verse 5, Master, we've, heard, we've worked hard all night, and we've, we haven't caught anything. Now, that's a really simple statement. So let me just expound on that for a moment. Let me give you my translation of what I would have said to Jesus, where I think actually Simon was saying 
and communicating to Jesus. It went more like this in my mind. Jesus, are you crazy? We've been rowing and rowing for miles. We've been all over this lake. We have fished all night long. We have, we have fought the wind and we've fought the waves barely with our, getting by with our lives. And we have, we have thrown our nets out and pulled our nets in and thrown our nets out and pulled our nets in hundreds and hundreds of times when they were heavy and wet and dirty. And we've done this for the last 10 hours in the dark. And we've not caught anything, Jesus. Not a bluegill, not a perch, not a walleye, not a bass. Mike, are you okay? You're salivating like you're ready to go fishing right now. We've not caught anything, not a single fish, Jesus. Simon, Simon was communicating all of that. And he, he said, listen, I've worked hard all night long and I've got nothing to show for it. I've got nothing to take home to eat. Nothing to take home for my family to eat. Nothing to take to market. I've worked an entire shift and not got paid. And then Simon could have said, and so I'm a little bit cranky. And I'm tired. And so Jesus, if you don't mind, just step out of my boat. I'm going home and you can go wherever you want to. Simon could have said that. But he didn't. Instead, he said this. But because you say so. Like Jesus, because you say so. And I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Simon heard Jesus teach some other time. Not out of the question, right? This was Jesus' home area. Maybe he heard Jesus some other time. Or maybe sitting in the boat as a captive audience that day, something really clicked in Simon's heart. And Simon says, you know what? Because you're the guy asking. Because you're the guy asking. I will let down the nets. And some of you know what happened next. We love to read this part because this is when it all really starts to get fun and it's interesting, right? This is the part of the story we love. So Simon rows a boat out to deeper water and I can just picture what's happening on shore. All the other fishermen are like, Hey, what's Peter doing? Peter, what, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Where are you going? You've been out all night. He's, he's lost his mind, man. He rose out to, to the deep water, and they get there. Jesus said, hey, this is a good spot. Put down your nets right here. How, how many of you fish, by the way? How many of you fish? You, you fish? Brandon, you fish? Wouldn't you love to have Jesus as a fishing partner? Because yeah, you'd be like, hey, should I cast over here? Jesus, no, no. The fish, the big ones are over there. He's like a fish finder with legs, right? So, so he rose out and he said, hey, here's a really good spot. Hey, Simon, just, just put the nets down right here. And maybe, and maybe Peter's still a little snarky, right? And Peter says, oh, Jesus, these nets, the ones I just cleaned, the ones I just got ready for tonight, the ones I just cleaned. How many of you, just show hands, how many of you get upset when someone walks in the floor, you just mopped. Nobody? Do you mop your house? Okay, maybe this is it. How many of you, like, you, you, you've just carpet, you just, you've just vacuumed your carpet, right? And you've got the lines in it. It looks good. And your kids are about to run across. You do and you die. Right? It's staying like this for at least 12 hours. Or how many of you get upset when someone puts a dirty dish in the sink you just cleaned out? Like, the dishwasher is right there, right? If you get that, then you get, you get Simon here. Oh, these nets? The ones I just spent an hour cleaning after fishing for 12 hours at night? These nets? And Jesus like, yep, those are the ones. Throw them in. So, so Peter or, or Simon, he throws his nets in. 
Now, he probably gave Jesus like a sideways look like, but not for long. Because the moment they went in the water, they began to fill up with fish and fill up and fill up and fill up until they got so full the nets began to break the boat begins to, to tip and Peter's like James John yo James and John get out here I need you bring your boat with you I need help and they take their boat out and, and they, they catch so many fish they fill both boats full of fish so much so they begin to sink they've never had a catch like this before this is truly miraculous. They've gone from none to a ton. I mean, this, this will set them up for months. This will pay off their mortgage. This will pay off their boat. This was great. And in that moment, Simon looked at Jesus and knew that Jesus was more than just a rabbi. Listen to this, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, I love that's when they first changed his name. He's like, he's Simon Peter. This is that, this is the bridge. Like when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Which begs the question, why did Jesus ever get in Simon's boat in the first place? Because you read through scripture, there's, there's nothing special about Simon. There's nothing, nothing special about Simon. In fact, when you read through Scripture, he's the, guy's, you know, he's the guy that Jesus should not have gotten into his boat, right? We, we know he lived in Capernaum, had a brother named Andrew, fisherman, owned his own boat, had a mother-in-law, so we know he was married. When you read about him long enough, you find he's impulsive, you know, a, a leap-and-then-look kind of guy. He's the guy that when Jesus walked on water, everyone was cowering back, and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, that looks fun. Can I, can I join you out there? And, and she said, come on. And Peter did. He did for a little bit, and he petered out, right? He began to sink. And, and he's the one that, on, on the last night of Jesus' life, and Jesus is, is in the upper room, and he's talking to the 12 apostles, his 12 closest friends. It's been three years. They've lived and, and walked and worked and done everything together. And Jesus said, y'all, y'all going to betray me tonight. And Peter's like, Psh, those guys, Psh, yeah. Probably, even my brother, yeah, they're, they're, they'll betray you, but not me, Jesus. I'm different from all of them. I will, even if I have to die, I will never betray you. But he did, right? But that's Peter. He's, he's, he's fiery and he's impulsive. And you put all of that together, there's no reason that Jesus chose Simon. Simon's just a, Simon's a normal guy. He lived a, a normal life. He loved his wife, worked hard, probably played hard with his friends. He even said, Jesus, you don't want to be near me. I'm not good. I'm not good enough for you. You need to stay away from me. You don't want to be around me. But Jesus did want to be around Simon. So much so that that Jesus said, hey, come with me. Hey, Simon, come with me. Leave, Leave all of this and come with me. I'll make you fisher." Fishers of people. Jesus wanted to be around Simon. Listen, listen. Simon would not have been, Simon would not have been the, the church's choice of leadership. At all. He, he was uneducated, rough around the edges, probably had a mouth like a sailor and smelled like the docks. You don't put that person in charge of the big movement, right? But here's Jesus standing right in Simon's world. Right in Simon's boat. Simon wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for Simon. 
and he found them. See, this is what Jesus was like. And this is who Jesus liked. Jesus, if you're going to look for leaders, people to join you, take a priest or take a Pharisee. Aim higher than well, this. But this is Jesus' M.O. Follow Jesus long enough through scriptures, through the gospels, and you find yourself walking in the lives of normal people with normal homes and normal families and normal jobs, driving normal cars or camels. The Camelac. And, 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 and they're just have normal jobs and living normal lives. People who weren't perfect. People who had addictions and made mistakes. People, people who, who worked hard but, but didn't always take care of themselves. People who made bad decisions and lived the consequences. People who lived paycheck to paycheck. Just normal people. That's who Jesus hung out with. People who weren't like him. I mean, he was perfect. Goodness, he was holy. He was everything that everyone should want to be, but everything that nobody ever is. That's who Jesus was. And they weren't. And the easiest thing would have been for Jesus to ignore men, to ignore them, to dismiss them, to devalue them, to cancel them. But he didn't. He went to them. He stood in their boats. He ate in their homes. He loved on their children. This is what Jesus was like. And this is who Jesus liked. And we've said this before, that people who weren't like Jesus really liked Jesus. It's easy to see why. He didn't agree with everything they did, but that's not where he started. He met them where they were. He met them in their boats. And he just loved them. They weren't going to church to find Jesus. Jesus went into their world to find them. And when Simon recognized this, when Simon realized who was standing in his boat, it was like he had one response, just one move. He said, he threw up his hands and said, I am worth nothing. I am nothing. And Jesus was like, well, good, because I'm everything. Maybe you need to fall on your knees in front of Jesus today. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say this to you. Maybe you've been searching and searching and searching for Jesus at church or wherever, but maybe today you just need to realize he's already searching for you. And when he finds you, he's going to love you just as you are. He'll start right where you are. He'll stand in your boat. He'll stand in your job. He'll stand on your team. He'll stand in your school. He'll stand wherever you are. And he'll just be Jesus to you. And maybe this morning, you need to say, okay, Jesus, here you are in my boat, in my world. And I want to get into your world. And maybe this is the day. And if you've already done that, how about giving them some gratitude for that? Maybe today is that day. So has he found you yet? Has he found you? 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 Has he come into your world or your world? Has he found you? What's your next move going to be? I think one of your next moves, moves has to be to begin to talk about it. Right? Get, get, with, get with your your wife or your husband. Get with somebody. A trusted Christian friend. Get with your life group and talk about it. So, And to make it easier, we're going to give you some talking points. So when you leave here today, you can start the conversation or keep this conversation going. Here's your talking point number one. Where or when has Jesus found you? Or you would say, here, here's where Jesus found me. Share this with somebody. 
Maybe your kids need to hear this from you. But your story can maybe really help someone else's story as well. Here's talking point number two. What in your life would cause you to say, Jesus, I am not good enough for you? Share that with somebody. Share that shame, share that guilt, share that sin, share whatever it is. But then listen to Jesus say, but I'm good enough for you. And let him just hold you and take you. And if your kids are down in crew this morning, here's a talking point they're coming home with that they want to talk with you all week about. Jesus wants to be our teacher. Your kids need to know that Jesus will stand in front of them and say, here I am. Let me teach you. Now, Jesus did life with normal people, so normal people can do life forever with him. People just like me and people just like you. So wherever you are today, Jesus wants to do life with you. And I'm hoping you'll say yes to doing life with him. Let me pray for us. So, Father, as as we wrap up this message, we pray that you would just keep unwrapping it and letting it continue to work in us your word for us. Father, I pray that for anybody within the sound of my voice who has never yet fallen down at your knees, that you would allow them to do that today. That you would so move in people's hearts and minds and spirits that there's no way we can get out of this place without first saying, Jesus, for the first time, for the first time ever, I'm surrendering my life to you. Oh, Lord, maybe there's some people here who they grew up with a flannel board version of you, Jesus, but they need the real you, the grown-up you, the you that stands in the midst of their mess and says, I'm here. And maybe today they need to come and fall on their knees before you and say, just take what I've got. I don't have much, but I'll give you what I have. So, Lord, wherever we are this morning, meet us right where we are and remind us that you love us, that you love us, that you love us. We commit this to you, Jesus, and pray this in your holy name. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus, everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.